0: Hi, and welcome to The Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world.
1: Welcome to the Insider's Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Simon Hazeldean. I'm a sales transformation strategist and sales performance consultant, helping my clients get more sales, more often, with more margin. I'm also a keynote speaker and author of seven books on sales and negotiation. I'm your host, along with my co-host, the one and only Richard Lane, who is co-founder of Durham Lane. Durham Lane are an inside sales partner that help businesses to grow their revenue through an integrated. Sales and marketing methodology. And Richard, you have the privilege of introducing our guest for this episode. So over to you, sir.
2: Great. Thank you, Simon. Great to be back in the Insiders podcast studio. Thrilled to be joined today by Emma Roffey. Emma is VP for marketing in EMEA and also global advocacy at Cisco. So a name I'm sure everybody recognizes from a brand. And uh, really excited to be chatting to Emma today about all things sales and marketing. Simon, back to you. Lovely. Thanks, Richard.
1: So, Emma, welcome
2: to The Insiders.
1: Great to have you with us. And the, the first question we normally ask all of our guests is just so our listeners can get to sort of know you a little bit. Could you just give us a little bit of background about how you came to be in your current role?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, well, I always like to say I uh, grew up in sales, so I never started my career in marketing but as quite a few people do you sort of end up there which was like you know a natural fit anyway so quite excited so I've been at Cisco now oh so it's horrible to to say the amount of years it's scary but at least 18 18 years and probably each year have a slightly different role but primarily most of that time has been in um in marketing And then it was about three years ago where I got my dream job that I wanted to, which was running uh, marketing in EMEA, as Richard said. And also I have a a global role looking after customer and partner advocacy and really emphasizing the voice of the customer more, which I'm very passionate about that area.
1: Fantastic. It's um, interesting, a marketeer who came up through sales uh, because, I mean, Richard and I often have a conversation with with people about how they came into sales so we sort of refer to it as the happy trip up club sort of you it's not normally a career people have identified for example when they're growing up or they're at university but yeah and so it ended up in marketing that kind of way how's your background in sales influenced your your approach and your philosophy towards marketing
0: Yeah, the things I've I've noticed, whether you're in sales or whether you're in marketing, you have to put the customer first. And there's one thing I look at and I say, well, what's the difference between sales and marketing? What What is the one difference? What is the one word that you could sell the difference between sales and marketing? And that one word for me is scale. So that's what I always think about. Marketing scales what sales are trying to achieve. But always with the customer first in mind. So if we're thinking more about the customer, you do if you're in sales and all the preparation you're doing for a sales call or a sales meeting, it's exactly the same for marketing. So if you've got that customer first mantra, then that's going to to lead to success. The other thing I've noticed when I first went into marketing was a a couple of things, and I'm sure we can talk about that. It was the first time ever I didn't, at the time, I do now, but didn't have any metrics, didn't have any goals, didn't have any targets. So it was very difficult. You know, I remember the first week looking around and, you know, I'm that age, but there were no boards or what we've got to achieve or hit for the moon or anything. And then, you know, you finish the first week and it was really bizarre in marketing because I thought, how do we know whether we've done well or not really? And it, and it took me a while to get used to that, actually, And at first, you know, I started to relax. I was like, wait, this is really nice. I don't have this pressure. But then I missed that. And I think as over the years, marketing has transformed more, is now far more KPI, far more ROI, far more, you know, impact-based, which is good. But to answer, go back to answer your question, the the other thing that stood out for me, um, which I think has helped me in marketing, that you had to be very good at this in sales, is responsiveness. You know, if a, if a customer was upset or a customer needed you, then I was very fast to react, you know, damp out fires or motivate them or whatever it was. And, and I've really taken that into marketing as well. The speed of execution, the speed of understanding the customer, the speed of the, of the customer journey, but getting the right message, right time to the right person. And that's where the synergy is between sales and marketing as well. So very, very similar roles, just the one difference
1: scaling yeah to director, to it's interesting that your, your comment kind of that sense of urgency that i think any sales professional listening in will will identify with because you know love or hate them and disagree about whether sales targets should be there or not they do create a certain sense of urgency and if you do have that customer yeah. first mentality the first thing you do is respond to your customer don't you know yeah. not just when things yes. are wrong but also to to keep things moving forward
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think I noticed that going from a relatively small, say medium sized company to a large corporate, where everyone knows corporates are a lot slower sometimes to respond. And that I just vividly remember, I'm like, Oh, my God, why am I reacting now? We've got to get onto this now, you know, and, and respond because the customer so um yeah so that that doesn't go away that's always there
1: yeah which is great and you mentioned uh, the metrics piece the kpi and that's come in more i'll be interested in in your thoughts on what are effective metrics for marketing then i mean sales i guess you know we can debate this but they're, they're probably reasonably well understood i guess what they look like but marketing
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, even on the sales side, some of them are changing, especially software more software driven. But on the on the marketing side, it's a really good question. And have we nailed it yet? No. And the reason I say that is because when I'm in, you know, the sales meetings or sales and marketing meetings, it's very hard, and I'm sure a lot of marketeers would agree, it's very hard to actually quantify your impact in marketing that Sales can really relate to what they want is a coin operated machine, or well, certainly in Cisco, in other words, you know they're making investment decisions. Do I put a dollar here? If I invest in another salesperson, they've got a target on their head, therefore I know the return. If I give you x dollars Emma what what's the output you know straight away leading to the net result, and it's like it doesn't necessarily work like that in marketing. That's the dilemma we have is building the metrics that a sales-led company, like Cisco, the sales and engineering led, when we sales, a sales-led company to get them to understand the ROI and that impact um, that relates to, okay, so I won't invest in another salesperson necessarily. I'll invest in marketing and I'll get, you know, 10 times the return that I would from a salesperson, for example. So you know, every marketeer probably is in this position right now. I think the market is shifting from measuring MQLs, SQLs, you know, the funnel. Some of that is there, but we're really looking at that the impact of marketing across an account for a lot longer period. What is all the activities we're doing to get it to a certain stage? What closed them? So multi-attribution, touch, modelling. Um, looking at different channels so we are yes we look at the bookings we look at the contribution but we're looking at the impact on the pipeline and then we're looking before that all of the engagement and which accounts are highly engaged which is significantly engaged which which are not that gives us early warning to where we've got um no opportunities but we're seeing high engagement or we've got high engagement and, you know, nothing nothing coming down the pipe. So lots of different metrics. But then the trick is, how do we then, because then you've got, which again I'm sure relate to, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of data points. And it's how do you make sense? You know, and I like to say, you know, you've got data that leads to insights, but you need those insights to lead to wisdom. And if you don't have the wisdom, then you can't act on it. So it's the trick is then getting a dashboard or, or metrics that give you that wisdom.
1: Yeah, it's that more complex, subtle <clears throat> I think approach to metrics, isn't it? Yeah. Avoiding drowning in data, which I guess <laughs> yeah. is is awfully easy for us now because we have so much of it. And Richard Durham Lane, I mean as a, you know, an organisation will sort of outsource to you, you'll be their inside sales partner. You've kind of got to prove your worth, haven't you, to your customer, to your client. So how how do you approach that from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I totally resonate with a lot of the things Emma said already, you know, scale speed impact I think the stats of MQL to SQL conversion you know if you are after 10 minutes of of someone saying they're interested if if there's no follow-up then then the opportunity sort of to follow up falls off off a cliff dramatically so we make it our business to be the the speed provider Um, that sounds wrong doesn't it but you know what I mean (laughs) Um, I, I love the data insight and wisdom as well so we talk a lot about input outputs outcomes and insights you'll have heard me say that on this podcast before Simon but that wisdom probably is is that is the next phase on again and um you know our job really as as doing what we do for our customers operating at the front end of at the top of the funnel then our job really we see it is to provide back some of that insight make sense of some of the data that we're leveraging and and then help our customers with you know finding that wisdom and and i think that the you know just the other point there that emma's talking about the the shift from MQL to SQL measures to, to impact across accounts—it's a—it's uh it's a long-term game, Emma. Long-term yeah. game, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I'm sure for you, Richard, as well. You know, when when I used to run when I first joined Cisco, I ran our contact center. I want a better description? Operation. Yeah. And I, I remember it was a long time ago, but um, they asked me to go in. I was consulting for Cisco at the time. And um, I think I was up in Liverpool where we had the contact center. And uh, I don't know, say there were 10 people. I can't remember the numbers, to be honest. 10 people. And it was the first time in a long many years that Cisco was going to spend money on marketing again. So they wanted me to check out because I knew what you could achieve on the phone, having grown up in tele-sales and all of this. And um, I vividly remember I went along to the contact center and, uh, you know, a luxury people were calling in, you know, luxury. I've been in years banging out cold calling. Yes. People are calling in. And um, and I just remember that the agents at the time called themselves web navigators and were answering the calls and they put the phone down. And I'm like, you didn't find out who that person was. You didn't get their name. You didn't get their telephone number. You didn't. They were just there to... Help the customer or prospect get to the right bit on the website. It's like, no, 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 stop. Phones down, everyone. Stop, 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 stop. And then, you know, had to really sort of really capture what you can get from the inbound. And then obviously you have downtime. And that's when, you know, I said, right we do an outbound as well. So the quality of the data that you have to work with, Richard, again, it's that right time because yes. nothing's more annoying when a customer may have responded to something, a prospect may have responded to something. He's like, no, I don't want you to call me now. I'm not ready now where others are ready and you're not calling them. Um, yes. But I grew that in the end. I think we had to tend to about 120 agents in the end doing outbound and literally targeted on how many leads per day, per hour, etc um, but but Dan always and always is the quality of the data and the intent yes. of the data is crucial there and that's where marketeers are getting better and better and better and we do it feeding that right data at the appropriate time
2: and that's how we see these two worlds becoming much more and better connected and, yes. and I think that data is sort of sits in the middle doesn't it in terms yeah. of making sure that we're all able to deliver the best value.
1: I've got I've got visions of some of our listeners um, sort of mm-hmm. cringing, Emma, at the thought of customers phoning in <laughs> and then you don't necessarily maximise it. You know I all t- of the. I tell you all... that
0: over my years of experience doing a mail order that that has happened more times than I've probably had hot dinners.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's fascinating, isn't it? When you when you you know you step back, you sometimes see the opportunities and picking up on your comments about earlier about sort of marketing quantifying your input in a way that sales can relate to and and Richard's comments about sort of data straddling the divide that sometimes exists between sales and marketing some large corporates still struggle with aligning the sales and marketing functions what what's your perspective you know from your your experience on that
0: yeah the alignment is is key so i report into a centralized marketing organization I'm sure everyone's been in different models where a few years ago I reported into the sales leader of the EMEA region, but that's different. But the leader matters because Wendy Mars, for example, who runs EMEA, she treats me as part of her virtual team and part of her leadership team. So I'm sat on in, in all those meetings and all the forecast calls. So I'm heavily involved and heavily understand the dynamics from the sales. And then we have various sales leaders that I I partner with. They're, you know, they're my peers, I partner with them, I understand their issues, they understand mine, and then we can agree plans together. If you don't have that at the leadership level, because it starts from the top, it absolutely starts from the top, and then that cascades down. So I expect my direct reports to peer with their sales leaders, and then everyone has that, you know, understanding. So so that's that's really important. The culture is key as well. And there's a mutual respect to what we do and the differences and the and the value that we can bring. So I think it, it starts at the top for sure. There has to be an alignment. There has to be an opportunity, I believe, for marketing. And there has to be patience for marketing, you know, because when I'm presenting, it's not all the necessarily the numbers that they're used to, you know, it sort of there's an education as well as a a demonstration of, of what we're doing and the impact. And you can only do that if, if you have good relationships and you have the opportunity to align. You do the regular QBRs or reviews and you just have it at every level of the sales organisation and every level of the marketing organisation.
1: Yeah, that patience is sometimes I think is rethinking the timeline which I suppose is is the other side to the sales urgency, close the month, yeah. close the quarter, close the yes. year. Things like account-based marketing, social selling, or even strategic account management. You have to have parallel timelines, don't you? Short, yes. medium and longer term or else you get caught up in the the urgency or all, all are important.
0: Yeah, and that and that's I suppose the biggest thing. It, it's like this batch's coin operated machine. Well, if I give you $10, what you're yeah. going to get and it's not what you're going to get it's what you're going to get now and it's like well, yes. no it doesn't quite work like that <laughs> yeah now there is, there is a good understanding of cisco but there but i've used that word interesting i've used that but there is patience that's needed
1: it's the first time somebody's mentioned patience and i think i think it's a really important insight in terms of modern more complicated customer relationships and that yeah. organizations
2: have it's interesting isn't it because if you truly put the customer in the middle you put the customer first you have to have patience yep. yes. because you're working to their timelines and not your own and i love that phrase that you've used as well emma coin coin operated and and you totally see that don't you i see that with our customers well we're going to give you this what do we get yeah and what do we get right now and that's always a conversation you have to have to to manage expectation but if if you have this customer centric philosophy then it happens at the right time for your customer, yeah. not necessarily for your quarter.
0: Yeah. And I think sales are good at being patient as well. They know how long it takes. Yeah. To bring in a big fish. You know, it takes some of our sales cycles are a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so I think well, I think we have a good understanding there. But it's it's patience to understanding the different parameters and how we have to work and the influence it takes and the time it takes to influence the brand and you know the perception of everything
1: so yeah i mean richard your point i think is you know why why haven't we got this closed for the quarter because it's not right for the customer you know and often though you know those are the kind of conversations i think that need to happen when managers leaders are coaching Their sales personnel sometimes, you know, what what's right for the customer, and then, and then we can forecast it correctly and not annoy the customer or discount unnecessarily in some some rather tacky attempt to get it all closed and boxed off.
0: And that is where marketing is becoming more and more sophisticated as we get more and more data in. It's getting harder. It's getting sophisticated. It's getting more complex. It's getting harder in some respects because of the amount of data input. But equally, getting that customer experience right is crucial. It's also quite hard in Cisco. So the bigger you are, the more products you have to sell, the whole portfolio, we're quite business unit centric as well. And everyone wants to, you know, if you take a classic, the CIO for us, every business unit, every product level, every wants to target the CIO. And that's where marketing has to be true to the customer and go, stop. You can't all go after this particular customer, the CIO, this particular right now with what you want to say. And that's where marketing has to be that guardian of that customer experience.
1: I was consulting, we were doing some key account management work with a client and they had, I think if I recall correctly, seven BUs. Yeah. And they said at one stage, all seven of them could potentially be pursuing the same person exactly. unaware of the other the other six were doing that, and you can imagine that the, the customer experience which is like do you do you folks not talk to each other yeah. you know yeah. is and it was this very very common silo you mentioned you've been at cisco for 18 years what do you do to make sure that you and your team sort of go outside the organisation to make sure you got fresh ideas and perspectives, what an old CEO of mine used to call sort of, you know, outside-in thinking. Because, you know, very correctly, most of the time we're we're yeah. head down, you know, making things happen inside our organisation. So I'd be interested in your, your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, that's why I say navel-gazing. Stop navel-gazing. Yeah, because you can be so sucked up in operational changes or budget work and everything you have to do. So... Always encourage our marketeers to go out on sales calls. You know, just, just ask, go out with a, a salesperson or join them. So we're always doing that. And they're good at, you know, very good at doing that. We run a lot of events. So when you're running events, it's always good to do some speaking to the customers or our partners and, and getting feedback there. For me personally, a member of many CMO networks. So it's always good to hear peer-to-peer stories Um, Because generally speaking, we all have the same issues. We're all experiencing, okay, different things, maybe different times and different scale, given the size of companies. But generally, and and I love hearing Mm -hmm. best practices from other organizations. I recently myself, for example, we're looking at a new CXO sort of community internally as part of my global advocacy role. So I said to the sales leaders, "I uh, I want to interview directly some C suite, friendly C suite. We don't mind. Well, I can handle <laughs> non friendly, so don't worry. But you know, give me some give me some names to speak So, so recently done about ten interviews with the C suite, and that's always good. You know, to get the feedback. But as we don't sell direct, we sell through our partners. So building up our our partner network and listening to what our partner marketeers need or their c-suite of of our partners so we have lots of opportunities to get that that feedback and you you have to have that but i think if anyone listening feels they are navel gazing too much just just stop get out there you know allocate some time allocate a week and say do you know what i'm going to do four or five customer meetings this week and join my sales colleagues or something or or do some networking just do some networking because it's never ever ever wasted
1: I mean, reflecting back, you know, when I was sort of early-ish stages of my sales career, I was in fast-moving consumer goods and the marketeers who would come out with you, you built a different relationship and respect. And and I think just little things, like if we had a sales conference, they'd obviously present. But then the smart ones would hang around afterwards and stay over and have a drink and get to know and listen and have conversations. And it, it was that, you know, in, in a small way, very, very representative of what you said. But I think, you know, get out there and talk to the talk to those, the C-suite and find out, find out what they're thinking.
0: Well, it's, it's something I, um, I don't know why from a networking point of view as well. I, uh, yeah, really advocate for that. And it's not something I really did a lot of. I think I was so busy you bring up children to get... You know, you've got work, I prioritize anything else as non-work related. And then it was only the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, I thought consciously networking. And oh my God, I wish I'd done that earlier. So anyway, I really, really do. And this year, well, after lockdown, I'm saying yes to everything. I'm just going for <laughs> and really
2: enjoying it.
1: Yeah. The importance <laughs> of networking there, I think. Key takeaway for our listeners coming in. I'd be interested in you mentioned, you know, your CXO initiative and how do you get Cisco people inside the customers' world? You know, making you know, we talked about that that customer first obsession, which is everybody talks about. You know, our customers are our priority. Customer first. But what do you what do you think is most important to actually make that become like a philosophy or a culture rather than just a statement?
0: Well, I think we do many, many tactics to do that, you know, at at, at all levels. So we very much focus on the C-suite and hearing, and it might be in private groups or um, exclusive groups where it's, you know, chat on house rules. So we can really, really hear across the board. But as I said at the start, I run Global Advocacy. And one thing we set up many years ago was, uh, which we now call Cisco Insiders, uh, Advocates, Insider Advocates, is we set up this community precisely that so we can really hear from our customers in all walks of life of our customers, from the engineers, you know, all all different roles. But what I wanted to do was bring those customers together to have this peer network where um, they could talk to each other because people love hearing from others. Like I do when I'm joining these CMO communities, I want to hear from my peers, directly you know all warts and all the truth What what is happening what are you having to deal with so bringing this we use the influitive platform this community together insider advocates where they are prepared to advocate on our behalf and that's where you can instantly get really good feedback so for example i remember a few years ago chuck robbins our our ceo um, someone was presented to him, and he, they wanted this customer feedback. So we put this challenge the night before in what we used to call the gateways, now insider advocates, in our platform, and we put this little little challenge up. I can't remember what it was now, but overnight, say you had thirty responses from customers, pull off the press. So the next morning, there you go, straight to the to the CEO. We wanted this, or if any BU needed feedback, or we want to promote something. And then those advocates do, they advocate on your behalf and we reward them with points and then they can redeem prizes and stuff. But more also, we wanted to do prizes that money can't buy. You know, if we we wanted to reward one of our top rock stars, as they're called, and potentially, you know, they might want to speak on stage with us or they might want to have lunch with Chuck, for example, or another exec, then you, you bring these opportunities in um, for them. But the, what was really important for me was to get peers talking to peers and helping, helping each other out, and we're not the bottleneck as such as we scale. And that's been very successful.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to facilitate I mean, them. or a great, must be a great uh, connection with your organization and with the brand as well for them. So, as well as obviously bringing benefits yes. to them yes, as well. Absolutely. And so, so, Richard, from your perspective, in terms of, you know, because your folks really have to get inside your client's head in terms of understanding that and so how do you approach that from an understanding your client point of view but also understanding the clients of your clients I guess because you're going to be one one removed aren't you yeah,
2: yes indeed so um I think I think a key piece for us through through our successful programs is, is onboarding so you know Stephen covey begin with the end in mind if you get the plan right up front then you're much more likely to be successful so we we essentially reverse engineer our our new customers through our selling at high level methodology so we take them sort of back through that program over a typically a four-week period where we really get to understand deeply not necessarily i don't think we need to be experts in our customers but we need to be experts in why somebody should be interested that's the key so if if we can understand the triggers the compelling reasons why someone should be interested in a certain cisco product that we might be representing for example then we can through questioning, sort of qualify that into into interest and nurture it to a point where we can hand it across to the relevant bdm or or whatever the structure might be and, and they can have a successful next conversation and build pipeline so so that onboarding piece is is really important and then i think the as i said earlier the the fact that we're the front line we're having those conversations that you should want to be interested in in the outcome from so that insight piece is is really important so then you feed that back in it closes the loop allows us to then agree the strategy going forward and you know, I always think partnership is a two way street. It has to be a business partnership has to be two way. It can't it can't be one way. And when that happens, then we're successful. When when it doesn't, then it's really hard to be successful, I'd suggest. Emma to, to loop back to that being able to get
1: thirty responses from what your customers think in that period of time is a fantastic relationship to have. You know, you, you're never going to wonder. You know, we get this mind game, don't you? I wonder what the customers, they'll probably want this. We think they're thinking this. You don't know. And you've got 30 pieces of evidence. So your CEO must be super happy to get that kind of voice of the customer back so fast.
0: We easily can. And, and you know, that's just one example of what we do. doing. We get feedback in there. A few other communities as well, real techie ones, so we've got a lot of people raising their hands, if you like, to want to advocate and, and want and want to help us, which is good. And that's it for all types of things. You know, if we if we've got uh, a big sales conference uh, next week coming up in, in Vegas, you know, our kickoff for the year, and uh, and every time we're asked, or when any whether we've got the partner summit right, we need a customer on stage. We need a customer on stage who's got a good story. So part of that is, is we're engaging with these potential customers. They don't know maybe a year, two years time, they're going to be on stage with us, but we nurture them like we do any lead, you know, from a from a marketing perspective. And then they grow in the type of advocacy that they'll do for us. And they don't think for. I remember years ago sort of saying, look um, at, well, you've got a great story there. And they're like, have we? And I went, yeah. The implementation, the outcomes that you're achieving now. And you know, is they're like, oh, really? Okay. You know, because sometimes these engineers are not the most vocal or think they're they're yeah. stand on stage and, and be the best representation. So a lot of them were, we're nurturing. And that goes down to the value exchange, you know, and finding out, okay, if you're going to do this for us, what what do you need from Cisco? And some of it is presentation training. You wouldn't think a vendor like us would offer. But we do. Or the latest when I was speaking to the the C-suite, a lot of them would appreciate the um, media training. I'm like, wow, OK, well, wow, that's really good. We can we can you know, we can do that. So it's it's really nailing that value exchange for, for people to spend time and, and advocate with us.
1: That's just fascinating sort of presentation support and media training is part of the value perception right you wouldn't have you wouldn't that wouldn't be your first but if you don't ask you don't find out do you and I think so so powerful from my history is being at events where they get the customers at the kickoff or at the sales conference and and is such a such a powerful experience but Um, what's
0: important and when I was speaking to some of them they said Emma I want the unfiltered truth I don't want to hear from you I want the unfiltered truth, warts and all. You know, we know not everything's going to be perfect in terms of technology implementation. Let's hear from others. Let's hear the truth, not the sales spiel and or marketing talk or marketing fluff or so, or so um But either way, it's what I really like about it is the unfiltered truth. And that's what everyone needs because then you build up that trust and trust is key. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great expression. I think to you know, throw that challenge out to all of our listeners. Are oh, you getting the unfiltered truth from your customers inside your organization? Might not always be easy to listen to. But it is kind of what they're what they're saying about you, so better to better to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, you know. I remember when I first became a sales manager, my boss at the time said, "The first decision you got to make is, do you want them to talk about topics with you in the sales meeting or without you afterwards in the car park?" He said, "Because they'll be talking," and I, you know, that's a similar thing to you know. Let's let's hear what the customer's got to say. And you mentioned you have rock stars, which is which links us very nicely. to to our to our final question we are building the insiders spotify playlist and we're asking every guest to choose a song which we then add to the playlist so emma put put you on the spot here a little what is your chosen song
0: i don't don't think i need to be embarrassed harry styles sign of the times that i just play i love playing i love playing his album at the moment and anyone in this House I'm in at the moment is sick. Oh, mummy's playing. (laughs) House day is getting. But I just love that sign of the times.
1: Fantastic! So Harry Styles, sign of the times, it is being added, and nobody needs to be embarrassed for their musical choice. I'm sure we've all got we've all got a few guilty favourites on our on our playlist somewhere, Emma. So uh, uh, Richard, uh, thoughts for you? Circle sort of closing thoughts. What were the what
2: were the kind of the standout comments and and um, insights for you? So I've got loads. I've got loads of notes, Emma, which is uh, a very good sign. uh, we started off talking about customer first and responsiveness. And I, I, I totally get that. I think the sales, I think the sales background in you demands responsiveness and, and bringing that into marketing, I think is, is, uh, is excellent. And we talked about scale. So using marketing for scale and, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. scale and speed, we talked about insight, uh, and impact while well, impact. And then we talked about data, which leads us to insights, which leads us to wisdom. And uh and I, th- I like like the use of the word wisdom there. Um we have to be connected and it has to start at the top. So we've got to be aligned for cross-sales marketing, all of those C level functions. Uh patience is required, particularly as we move into this account-based account-based marketing and account-based sales world where the center the customer is the center of the of the thinking the conversation. And then uh who do we get? Who are our best salespeople in an organization? They're typically our customers that are are willing to give the unfiltered truth to people that, uh, that are interested in, in perhaps using us. And, uh, I know certainly at Durham lane, probably uh, we have, we have a couple of gates. We're obviously a very small company compared to Cisco Emma, but one gate is, um, get them into see our office because we're not in a cow shed. We've got a really nice facility. We're a proper company. And I, I had it yesterday where someone came and went, wow, you know, this this look this looks really good yeah well what do you expect <laughs> you know so that's gate 1 get get to see us that we really exist and and gate 2 is speak to some of our customers who can tell you the truth about us so i love that the unfiltered truth value exchange through advocacy and ultimately why we're doing it all well it's about building trust so there's there's my summary but really uh, lovely lovely speak Emma. A really fascinating uh, conversation thank you so much thank you yeah, no,
1: you mentioned wisdom, so Emma, thank you for sharing your wisdom with our, our listeners. It's been absolute pleasure. Pleasure. So thank you. I know you just literally just come back off vacation. So we kind of pounced on you on your first day back. So yes really so uh really, really appreciate you making the time for us. So and to all of our, our listeners, um, we have many, many episodes in the back catalogue now from the insiders. That's available from wherever you choose to get your podcasts. And also if you subscribe, you'll be able to access the upcoming episodes, be notified of those. And we've got regular episodes with some fantastic guests, as as you can see the quality of, of conversation we've had with Emma and in the insights today we've got a whole ton of really really great guests so uh, please make sure you subscribe and we look forward to uh, seeing you on another episode of the insiders very soon folks good luck with all your sales and marketing
0: the insiders by Durham Lane subscribe today to never miss an episode